All right, good morning, church. How are we doing? Good. Man, we're off to a great start with worship this morning. Uh, just so good to be back in the Lord's house with everybody uh, once again this Sunday. Um, man, just overwhelmed. Uh, those last two songs especially, just the gospel in song, right? And just singing those together. Um, you guys know, uh, for, for most of you that, uh, that, that you know, are members here and have been going here for a while, you guys know that um, I am absolutely a crybaby uh, sometimes. And so um, just overwhelmed with, with what God has done. And we're here to celebrate that, what God has done, right? Uh, and what God is still doing. And so um, just super excited. If you're visiting with us, we are so glad that you're here this morning. Um, and please don't leave without speaking with myself or Franklin or Summer or anybody. Grab somebody and, uh, and just let's talk to you. We want to connect with you before you leave. Hope you felt welcome so far this morning. Um, if you are unfamiliar, if you are visiting, uh, I, my name is not Scott Miller. And so, surprise. Um, Scott, our pastor Scott, is away for the weekend on a well-deserved uh, break. And so he asked me to fill in in his place. And so you can hold him responsible uh, for what happens this morning. Um, but uh, just thankful for Scott. Thankful for this opportunity. Uh, absolutely humbled uh, to be able to, to in, in honor, to share God's word with you this morning. Um, this is my first time actually uh, sharing a sermon, preparing a sermon like this. I've taught uh, in the context of student ministry, uh, college students, um, small group context, but never actually prepared and, and given a message like this. You guys know I can get kind of preachy between songs. I've been called out for that before too. Um, but uh, thank you for laughing at that, Patrick. Um, but uh, never done this, and so really excited and uh, obviously very nervous that uh, God's put a lot on my heart this week, and just, you know, hopefully we don't blow through this thing in five minutes, right? Um, so it could either be five minutes or like an hour. Uh, it's not going to be an hour. No chance it's going to be an hour. Um, so we're going to get through this together, I promise. Uh, so for those of you who, who may not know me, I may be like, hey, that's the guy that plays guitar and messes up the lyrics all the time. That would be an accurate assessment of who I am, but let me tell you a little about it myself. Uh, my, my name is Blake Fletcher. Uh, my wife, Kaylin, and I have been covenant members of New Life for about five years. Uh, we are the proud parents of a three-year-old dinosaur um, who, he was a toddler, but he's now a full-time reptile, uh, named Brooks. And uh, if you've served in our kids' ministry here or uh, work at the uh, Child Development Center on campus, you're well familiar, very familiar with Brooks. Um, so we appreciate your continued support. It takes a village. Um, and we're also... Uh, expecting uh, our second child early next year. Very excited about that. And though modern technology is able to uh, discern and tell us very early on in the process uh, that we're going to have a baby girl, um, doctors are incapable of telling us what type of dinosaur she will be. And so <laughs> if you could just pray for us, I'm pulling for herbivore for obvious reasons. Um, so again, super excited. Uh, I did you guys a favor. I did not ask, I sincerely thought about asking Franklin to just like stay on keys the whole time. I was going to hold my guitar, right, just to feel more at home, but uh, that would be really weird, so I decided not to do that. All right, so before we jump in, uh, I'm going to pray first, but before we do that, or after we do that, we're going to go into a recap of, of what Scott has already laid down uh, for the past few weeks in this, this series. And so let's pray, and then we'll dive into the recap, okay? Father, just so thankful for your people this morning uh, gathered in one place to glorify and worship you. Um, God, um, you just... Time and time again, God, you've, you've just blessed us with the opportunity to come together in your name, uh, God, and we don't deserve that. Uh, we don't deserve um, to be uh, grafted in as your children. We don't deserve to be redeemed through your son, um, but God, you've given us another week to celebrate that together. So God, I pray that we just focus on your word. Um, God, I pray selfishly for myself that I, I just, I don't hinder, uh, I, don't, I don't mess up uh, what it is you have to do today, God, and I don't believe that I can. I don't believe that I can thwart what you have prepared for your people today. Um, but God, uh, I know that you're sovereign and that you'll do in the hearts of your people what you will to do. Um, so God, I just, I just pray that uh, I can aid in that and help in that, God, that we can focus, we can all have ears to hear this morning. So God, be with us as we worship through reading your word. Uh, thank you again for this opportunity for all of us to come together in your name. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, so I'm a big recap guy. So, like, you know, when you're watching a TV show and uh, the previous week's uh, episode, uh, or that, that, that episode has, like, a 30-second clip of what happened in the previous week, right? So I, I love those. Um, I can remember a few years back, like, even when we're binge-watching shows, uh, like on Netflix or Amazon Prime or whatever, like, if I just watched an episode five seconds ago, I'm still going to watch the recap for some reason. And I remember Kaylin being like, why are we watching this? 
And I'm like, because I want to know. Like, I want to be reminded of like, the details so when we go into the plot, I see how it develops, right? And so please don't hit skip recap on this. Like, we're going to go to what Scott's already laid down. Like, don't hit that button, even though it's tempting. So stay with me, okay? All right, so first and foremost, we're in Follow Me, uh, which is about being a disciple, a disciple who makes disciples. And Scott told us uh, a couple weeks ago that the biblical definition, the most basic biblical definition of a disciple is a follower of Christ, right? And so literally the word disciple in the original language means learner or student. So someone who's continually looking to Christ to learn from him, right, to be more like Christ. And so uh, we're going to look more at that today. Uh, and honestly, we, we've, we've kind of harped on that side a lot, but we're going to dive more into the twofold definition of disciple and what it means to, uh, what it means when we say discipleship, right? So we're going to turn to Matthew 28, 19. I know that Scott has hammered this home the entire five years that, that we've been here, um, and, and I'm sure previous to that, um, it's been a big verse, as it should be. Uh, I'm thankful for a pastor who hammers this text home, who makes this a central text for our church. Uh, it should be a central text in our hearts as believers, as followers of Christ. And so we're going to look at it today and see, uh, again, the foundation that we've laid what, of what a disciple means, um, and then further past that, what it means to disciple someone. So if you're there, um, Matthew 28, 19, this is the Great Commission, right? So Jesus is about to ascend, right? He's already risen. He died on the cross. He, he rose from the grave. He spent time with his disciples. He's appeared to over 500 people. And now he's given them this one last commission, right? And so let's read it together. Starting in verse 19. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy, oops, sorry, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always, even to the end of the age. What a promise. And so we're going to start... I'm going to try this here. You guys tell me if it works. All right. So this first part, therefore go. We working? We, we clicking here? All right. Can y'all see that? Okay, cool. All right. Therefore, I didn't try that beforehand. I really should have tried that beforehand. So glad that worked out. Therefore go and make disciples. All right. So we, we've harped on that a lot. Of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I'm going to draw a line right there. And we're going to call this part one. Sorry for the terrible handwriting. It's kind of hard to write on this thing. Um, that's part one. So this is what we've discussed to begin with, right? And this is going to happen mostly in the context. The context this mostly happens in, happens in is outside of church, right? We're, we're commanded to go. That means to go forth, right? It's an imperative to go. It doesn't mean stay and make disciples. Uh, we could preach a whole sermon series on that, um, including, it says, of all nations, which means the original language is pontata ethne, which means not of like the sovereign nations we know today, not of America and Russia and China. Yes, those places too, but of all nations, pantata ethne means ethnic groups, ethno-linguistic groups, which means every nation, tribe, and tongue. So it's much, much more broad, really, than just the nations and countries we know today. Um, and so, again, we could go there. That's a whole other sermon. Um, but this first part, going and making disciples, that means preaching the gospel, right? So the main element of this first part is the gospel, right? So going and preaching the gospel, telling people who aren't believers in Christ, maybe you've never heard of Christ, um, about what he's done on the cross, and they can put their faith and trust in him uh, for eternal life, right, and for forgiveness. And so that's sharing the gospel. Again, happens mostly outside of the church. But then you have this next part, which is teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. So that's part two. This is what we're going to focus on today, this part two. So in the past 40 to 50 years, so I've read, um, the church in America, the Western church as a whole really, um, has really harped on uh, getting out the gospel to the, to the unreached. Uh, as of right now, as of today, in 2023, believe it or not, there are three billion people in the world, right, in the that are unreached by the gospel. And that means that there are 3 billion people that either have never heard the name of Jesus or they have very little access to the gospel. Uh, here, we are rich in access, uh, which, praise God for that. Uh, we have a church um, on every corner. We have the Bible readily accessible to us. We, we, can, we can look at our phones right now and have any scripture, any commentary, and we have the gospel uh, where we are. But there are 3 billion people, over 11,000 people, groups, who have never, never heard the gospel, 
or have no access to it, a little access to it. That's insane. Um, and so teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you. So we, we've gotten really good at the, the whole point there, was we've gotten really good at, uh, and we've focused on taking the gospel to those people. And, and praise God for that. Amen. We should. Uh, we should do a better job as a church. I should do a better job as a believer in Christ in getting the gospel to those who have never heard it. We focused on that in the Western church a lot. However, we've left part two kind of unattended. And this isn't just one, you know, uh, it's not like a, you know, take it or leave it, like mutually exclusive points. They're both together in the Great Commission. They're both the Great Commission. And so what we've created is, uh, you know, this, this mile wide, you know, but inch deep type of church in other countries and just in here as well. Um, there have even been stories from, uh, from local uh, believers in other countries that say, I don't want the Western church. We don't want the Western church to come here uh, as missionaries because what they've created is a Western church here, right? Uh, that's, that's stripped of all culture uh, the, of the people, and it's just, it's shallow, um, and it's, it's focused on, on being showy and big, but there's absolutely no depth and absolutely no uh, Jesus to it, essentially. And so, again, we've been really focused as a church, as a whole, not just New Life, uh, at taking the gospel out there, but we've, we've forsaken, for the most part, uh, teaching them to obey all that he has commanded us. You guys probably, if you've been here for a, a little, little while, you probably remember Scott's um, uh, illustration of having like a couch set up here and a baby doll on the couch, and he had some like cheese puffs or cheese balls, and he was like throwing them at the baby. Remember that? That's kind of a hard image to forget for some reason. Um, nobody else? That's just me? I remember that? Okay. Maybe I had a dream. I don't know. But no, Scott did that, and what his point was is he had a baby doll over here, and he was saying, okay, so the baby is born, right? So a convert has been made. So someone has put their faith and trust in Jesus. And then he throws them a few cheese puffs. And he's like, all right, cool. All right. So take it easy. Have a good one. Glad you trust in Jesus now. Like we're out, right? And that's the idea that he was putting to that illustration is that you would never raise a baby that way, right? At least I hope not. Um, you would never, you know, we'd never have a baby and just say, okay, here's a few things, fend for yourself. But essentially that's what we've done in the church is we've preached the good news about Jesus Right? People have come to faith in him, and then we've said, okay, you've got it from here. And that, that may not be so, church. And so what we're going to look at this morning is part two. That's our whole focus, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you. Man, all that Jesus has commanded? I mean, that's, that's a lot. That's not a one-day event, right? That's not just like coming to a class and be like, okay, cool, let's learn everything written in red. Like, let's, let's get all that down today. Not going to happen that way. And so if it's a process Let's look into that process and what that looks like together. And the, the majority of this, we talked about the first part. Let's go back to this, this screen here. This far, part, first part, I just said the word fart on stage. Of course that happens to me, right? I just said the word fart. Like, come on. That has to happen in your first sermon ever. Like the word, like. So this, this first part, um, that just takes away everything. Like that's, that's actually perfect. That was a gift from God for me to say fart on stage. Um, I'm very appreciative for that. It's only up from here, really, Patrick, right? All right. Okay. All right, so this first part is, you know, the context is outside the church. But the second part, the context is inside the church. Now, disclaimer, Scott has preached on this a million times. Your first ministry is inside your home. Your first ministry is inside your home. Men, you should be discipling your wives. I'm preaching to myself here. You should be discipling your wives. As a spiritual head of the household, you should be teaching your wives the way of, of Jesus, the things of Jesus, praying with them. Not that they can't learn themselves, but it's been given to you to steward that, right? Discipling your kids. This is your first ministry. So disclaimer, we're not going to talk about that this morning, but let that be so. Like that, that, the presupposition is that's your first ministry, okay? But the other context for discipleship is inside the church. And so we said that the element of the first part is the gospel, right? Sharing the good news. So what's the central element, central theme of part two? Spoiler alert, it's the gospel. So we look at it typically as, okay, the gospel are the keys. The gospel is the keys, are, is, are the keys, uh, to opening that relationship with Jesus. I share the gospel, they come to faith in Christ. Okay, but that's not where it ends. The gospel didn't only save you, church. The gospel is shaping you every day. The gospel is not only 
a set of keys that opens the gate, but it's the pathway in which you walk that will shape how you react, the relationships you have, everything about you. You're not, you're a new creation. And the gospel is what made you that way, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so as you walk forward in that, that should be the element of discipleship. So what do we mean by that? And I wrote this down here, just something if you're taking notes. Um, we preach the gospel in order to make disciples. But we live the gospel in order to be a disciple. Let me say that again for you if you're, if you're writing down. We preach the gospel in order to make disciples. But we live the gospel in order to be a disciple. All right. So we've learned, uh, you know, we've, laid the, we've kind of reviewed the foundation of what Scott laid of what it means to be a disciple, right? We've looked at the context today for uh, being a disciple in the church. So we're going to turn to Acts 2. And that's where we're mainly going to hang out today is Acts 2. So as you turn there, I'm going to give you a little context for what's going on. So Acts 2, we're going to start in verse 41. But the context is this. Um, so Jesus has ascended to heaven, right? He gave the Great Commission. He ascends, and then he tells the disciples to wait, okay? He's like, wait, wait, don't go. I know that you're, like, super pumped, right? You know, I know that you're, um, you know, Peter has been restored. Peter, who was once denying Christ, is now, like, on fire again. He's seen his risen Savior. Um, Jesus has, has reinstated him, really. Um, and so, like, all the disciples are ready to go. And he's like, hold on. You're going to mess this up. Uh, don't go anywhere until I send the Holy Spirit, right? And so they're just kind of waiting around, praying together, spending time together. Uh, and then the day of Pentecost happens, a feast, uh, annual feast. And so Pentecost comes around, um, and Scripture says that uh, devout Jews from every nation, which means the Roman Empire at the time, were in attendance for the, for the Passover feast, okay? So you can imagine just different cultures, uh, all Jewish people, but different cultures and languages gathered together. Um, and then the Holy Spirit comes down. And like tongues of fire among, you know, over top of the disciples, um, it comes down and rains on them, and they, they go out into the temple square where everybody's gathered, and they start preaching the gospel of Jesus in different languages that they don't know, right? Most of us have heard this. So they don't know these languages, and so uh, they're preaching languages of, of the people that are surrounding them, that have come together to Jerusalem for this feast. Um, and people are hearing the gospel in their own language. And at first, they're like, these men are drunk, which is a weird, like, assumption. Um, like, I've never seen drunk people just, like, perfectly speaking another language. But uh, they, these men are drunk, and, and uh, Peter's like, no, it's like 9 o'clock in the morning. These guys aren't drunk, right? They're on fire uh, for Jesus. Like, they're, 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 over, they're overtaken by the gospel. And then Peter preaches, like, the first Christian sermon, aside from Jesus, uh, the first Christian sermon. And it's just a powerful, powerful sermon. And he's connecting the dots from who Jesus is, right, to all these, these prophecies that happened in the Old Testament. He's like, hey, he's fulfilled, he's fulfilled all these. Like, this is who he is. You've been looking for him. Here he is. And so 3,000 people, over 3,000 people, come to faith in Christ at that moment. Like, man, what, what a moment, right? 3,000 people come to faith in Christ. And we're going to pick up right after that. So, like, what a, what a precursor to what we're going to talk about today. So 3,000 people come to Christ, and it says in verse 41, those who embraced his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to the believers that day. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. A sense of awe came over everyone, and the apostles performed many wonders and signs. All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods. They shared with anyone who was in need. With one accord, they continued to meet daily in the temple courts and to break bread from house to house, sharing their meals with gladness and sincerity of heart praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So this is a picture of the early church. This is a picture of the first church, really, right? And so the Holy Spirit's come down. People have been saved, and all of a sudden, like, hey, we have a church, right? And so they gather together, and we see all the elements they have going on here. And so I wanted to lay that, that context down before we talk about, uh, you know, how we should disciple within the church. And so, what's the church? And we saw a picture of it here, and we see it here, but it's not these, these walls, right? It's not 350 Old Furnace Road. It's a local body of believers gathered together to glorify and worship God, okay? That's the local church. That is the church, and that's the context that God has designed for us to be in uh, for many things, but especially to disciple others. And so, we're not called to be lone rangers, just kind of, you know, uh, first of all, not called to be lone rangers, you know, apart from a church, just kind of living our lives as a Christian, um, apart from a church body. 
we can talk about that all day. That's not what we're called to be. But in discipleship, we're not called to just be out there discipling other believers or other people that aren't in this church context. And so what I mean by that? Um, I don't mean that, you know, don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that we should stop sharing the gospel with unbelievers. Never do that. Like, share the gospel with people outside the church at all costs, okay? Do that at all costs. What I am saying is, if you have the opportunity to disciple someone, to pour into someone that doesn't go to this church, that isn't part of your local church body, do so, but encourage them to be a part of a local church body and to seek out discipleship within that church, whether it be here, whether it be another church, a biblical church somewhere else, right? Don't stop pouring into them, but they should be discipled within their church context. That's what God has designed it for, okay? And so we come together, uh, and he's, he's given us just a wide array of people and experiences that have been walking faithfully with Christ for years for the purpose of discipling each other. And so let's look more at that. Okay, so one reason, you know, one thing we can look at this and say um, to support this idea is we have life groups here on campus, right? Uh, we have life, life groups that meet on campus. We have small groups that meet off campus. Um, I was just about to point you guys to a board, but I realized it's not finished yet. So Summer informed me that there's a, a pamphlet in the Welcome Center out there. Uh, that if you want life group, small group information, to go check that out, scan it. So small groups, life groups are there for your discipleship. Uh, we have many faithful small groups meeting right now and more to come. Um, and so if you guys, you know, that's what they're there for, is to, to have this small group uh, walking through the Word together, praying together, living life together uh, setting. And so please, if you haven't joined a small group, it's for your benefit. No one else benefits from it, right, more than you. Uh, and that's, that's speaking to everybody. Um, and so God has designed and given us those ways here. But also we have people in our church, I'm super thankful for this, people in our church that are discipling one-on-one, maybe one-on-two, Right? Uh, they found someone in the church and said, hey, you know, I, I think that, I know that God, no, I think I know that God has redeemed me and saved me, and I've been through all these things, and I've learned so much about him and in him. Let me, you know, walk alongside of you and show you how to live this life for him, right? That's the context of discipleship. And so there are three elements. I want to get very practical here. I'm saying a lot of words. I want to get very practical, break it down. There are three elements of the, of the early church that I believe we can look to this morning and say, okay, that's how I disciple within the church. That's how I make disciples, or I, I disciple someone inside New Life Baptist Fellowship, okay? So let's look at them. Number one, meditate on the Word of God. If you're taking notes, uh, this is number one, meditate on the Word of God. All right, this is not the Eastern idea of meditation, right? This is not, I know that that, that word kind of carries some uh, I don't know, some context to it, right? That uh, the Eastern idea of meditation is that you clear your mind, uh, you leave your mind empty, right? Which leaves your mind susceptible uh, to, to outside influence, honestly. Um, that is not of God. What is of God, right, is setting your mind on the things above, meditating on the Word of God and filling your mind with everything of God, right? Not just reading your Bible to check a box, but reading your Bible to find out more about who he is, who God is, and who he's made you to be. And so let's look, well, first before you do that, let's pull up uh, Philippians 4.8. You don't have to turn there, Philippians 4.8. Uh, Dave's going to have it for, for us on the screen up here. It says, Paul tells the, uh, the church in Philippi, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Well, Tell me, church, what, what is true, what is honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, excellent, worthy of praise? Like any, can anybody name one thing that's all those? Yeah, it's the Word of God, right? That's, that's the one thing that checks all those boxes. And so Paul is saying, if anything, aka this, right, is worthy of all these things, then meditate on it. Keep it on your mind at all times. As a matter of fact, back in Deuteronomy, when God had given uh, the Israelites uh, his, the commandments, right, and his law, um, he tells them to, like, write it on your doorpost, right? As you're coming and going, keep it on your hearts. Write it on your hearts. Teach it to your children, um, you know, everywhere. As you lie down, as you get up, like, be meditating on my word. And he has that same wish for us today, not just then. And so what does this mean? It doesn't mean, you know, that every day you just read a, read a verse. I, mean, I know that the Bible app, you know, is great, and it gives us the verse of the day. And I, I know the temptation to look at that and be like, cool. I spent time in the Word today. Notification off. 
Like, that's not meditating on the word. Let's look at the early church real quick. We're going to back back up. So verse 41, or sorry, verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. At this time, the apostles' teaching was, was Scripture. It's what they had, right? And we know that the apostles' teaching ends up being Scripture for us. But they're handing down the words of Jesus. What a beautiful, multi-generational like, picture of discipleship this is. Jesus had just discipled his followers, right? Peter, James, John, all of them. He had just discipled them and taught them for, for three years. And now they're handing down those exact teachings to the first believers, the first church, and then so on and so forth. That is discipleship, right? They're meditating on the Word of God. They're devoted to the Word of God. What does the word devoted mean? Like if we use the word devoted uh, in today's context, I mean, if someone says, you know, so-and-so is a, a devoted husband, a devoted wife, like what image does that put in your mind? It's not that they're just there and present, right? It means that they're, they've given everything to this person. Or they're devoted to their work. That means that they're probably a workaholic, right? Like they're, they're just so consumed by it. That's the picture of devotion. Is that the picture of our time in the Word of God today? It's not something that they're just getting up in the morning or at night, which you should. You hear it referred to as quiet time, right? Um, it, which means you should spend some quiet time alone with God each day. I mean, absolutely should. But church, don't, if I can give you any advice, don't just flip to a page, pick out a verse, right? Jeremiah 29, 11, right? And, and say, oh, this is my verse for the day, and read it. Sure, read that verse, but read the entire context. Meditate on it. Find out who the author was, right? Find out what the historical context was. Find out what the literary style is. Like, is it narrative? Is it poetry? Is it, what is it, right? Is it prescriptive, descriptive? So, for example, we're going to look at two texts this morning. We looked at the Great Commission, Matthew 28, right? That's prescriptive. That means that God has prescribed us to do something, right? He commanded us, go and make disciples. Then you've got descriptive, which is what we're reading in Acts 2. It's a narrative, right? We're reading about something that happened. And not that... You know, not that we can't get something out of descriptive, but it hasn't been prescribed for us exactly. Like, for example, we shouldn't wait on tongues of fire to come down on us before we preach the gospel, right? That wasn't prescriptive. God wasn't saying, hey, this must happen in order to preach the gospel. That was descriptive. So get to know the Word of God in a way that you're meditating on it and you're devoted to it, not just checking a box. I mean, if we truly believe that this is the written Word of our Creator, the one who made us, died for us, saved us, caused us to live for him, why wouldn't we read it? That's for me too. Why wouldn't we read it? Like, then we don't really believe it. That can change today. So we have to meditate on the word of God. We have to devote ourselves to his teaching. In addition to reading the Word of God, also to, to meditate could be to fill your environment with these things. All right, so I'm going I'm to press in here for a second. And I'm going to try to get on my soapbox as a, as a worship leader here. My wife will get very mad at me. So, church, don't let the only time you listen to worship music be Sunday morning. Don't let the only time you sing God's praises be at 10 a.m. on Sunday. Don't let that be the case. And this is, I'm not, I'm not preaching legalism here. I'm not saying go home and burn your ACDC albums. Like, that's not what's happening. What I'm saying is, fill your environment with the music that honors and glorifies God. Listen to music that has his words all through it. Now, be cautious. Always be a Berean, as Paul says, right? Always check what you're listening to with the word of God. I mean, there are songs out there that are really shallow, and maybe some even have some lyrics that, aren't so great, right? They can kind of lead you down the wrong path. But for the most part, you know, we have more access to, to, I mean, guys, we're living in the golden age of Christian music. Like, ask some of our older folks who grew up in church, right? I mean, they had no access to music like we do. Um, and the access they had to music was very sparse. I mean, just, you know, Christian music, wasn't, there wasn't a whole wide array of things that were available to them. Every genre nowadays, you can pick. And they're just super talented, just like fantastic, rich lyrics. Like, guys, we have this at our fingertips. 
don't let the only time you hear worship music be on Sunday morning. And that way, you know, when you're, when you're driving down the road listening to it, and you're singing it, you're maybe at work listening to it and singing it, then, you know, later on, radio's not even on, Spotify, whatever's not even on, you find yourself singing the Word of God. Like those last two songs we sang, they were literally from the Word of God. All I have is Christ, it's Philippians 3. You, you find yourself singing the Word of God. What's, uh, what's a more beautiful picture than just your heart singing God's praise? We'll try not to, uh, to break up on this one. Um, so our, our little guy, Brooks, you guys have heard us lead the song, um, Holy, Song of the Ages. Um, actually, that's not the song. Um, it's, uh, I can't even think of it right now anyway. Uh, and I've sang the song a lot. Echo Holy, thank you, in the back. Echo Holy. Um, so the chorus uh, is, my heart, well, the, half, the second half of the chorus is, my heart can't help but sing um, with all of heaven roar, forever echo holy with the Lord. Miller. Uh, it's his fault. No. <clears throat> Brooks, uh, he's heard us sing it at rehearsal or me singing it around the house. He's heard it, uh, us singing it on Sunday mornings. And <clears throat> it's his favorite song. Like the kid starts at that, that part every time of my heart can't help but sing. And I'm like, amen. Right? Like we're created with this this longing in our heart to sing the praises of God. He doesn't even know what he's singing. He doesn't even get it. And I pray that one day he does. But if we meditate on the word of God, if we listen to worship music, listen to music that honors and glorifies God, then our hearts can't help but sing. Secondly, maybe, maybe you love podcasts. I'm, I'm a big podcast guy. I won't cry on this one, I promise. Big podcast guy. And so, if this is a podcast, there's so many things out there to listen to, talk shows, whatever. But there are so many podcasts that are God-honoring. They talk about theology and doctrine and Christian living. Like, listen to those. If you're a podcast person, listen to those. Right? Surround yourself with it. Meditate on it. Pray as you're, as you're driving down the road. Pray God's word back to him. Right? Who knows this running? This is, this is a mess. Pray God's word back to him. Surround yourself with the word of God. Meditate on it as you're coming, as you're going, right on your doorposts. Be devoted to it, right? That's the first step in discipling someone. After that, number two, imitate Christ. Meditate on the word of God. Number two, imitate Christ. Also, imitate those who follow Christ. We've been following Christ for years faithfully. Now, again, just like with the music and podcasts, hold that person to the standard of Scripture, right? Uh, don't just, just because someone says, like, yeah, I've been, you know, I've been a Christian for 40 years. That's great, but, but you want to discern. Look at that person and make sure that they're following Christ faithfully. If they are, imitate them. As a matter of fact, let's look at Philippians 4.9. Paul, this is actually just after the verse we just talked about uh, for meditation. Paul tells the church in Philippi, what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. And then in, in 1 Corinthians, yeah, 1 Corinthians 11, 1, Paul tells the church of uh, Corinth, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. So he says, look to me as I look to Christ. That's the picture of a disciple. That's the picture of, of discipleship, right? Look to me as I look to Christ. So if we're to imitate Christ, look back at the early church. We're going to look back at Acts 2, uh, 41, starting in 41. Hope I'm not making you motion sick with the, the back and forth here. All right. So let's change up the color. If you're colorblind, I'm so sorry right now. Uh, if you can't see color, you're just missing the whole thing. Sorry. All right. Uh, those who embraced his message were baptized, Right? Um, 3,000 believers were added that day. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. So they were doing things. They were baptized, first of all. Like, they didn't know to get baptized, right? But they saw the disciples doing it. Did it. And who, were the, who did the disciples see get baptized? Jesus, right? They were modeling what they saw. They, they devoted themselves to the fellowship, 
And to the breaking of bread, that means communion, right? That means that they were having communion. So all things that they were modeling from the disciples who were modeling them for Christ. All the disciples to have communion, to remember him, right? And his, his new covenant with them. His body was broken, his blood poured out. He modeled that, and they took that to the church. They imitated Christ. And so you want to imitate Christ so others can imitate you, right? That's the whole picture here. So to make this very practical, we had the, the uh, baptisms at Lake Bowen, uh, what, August? Just, just a few weeks, a, few, a couple months ago. Um, and so while we were there, uh, just an example from our own life. We were there, and, and some of the college students, uh, Kaylin and I have the, the privilege of serving uh, with, as basically facilitating the college and career small group here at church. And so uh, some of our college guys were sitting with us that day, and uh, <clears throat> I was talking to Brooks and talking to one of our college guys, and Brooks was doing something, wasn't listening, shocker. And uh, as he was kind of getting whiny and fussy, I handled the situation with him, and then I went back to the college student and said, sorry, man, I didn't mean to disengage from me there. And he, he was just kind of standing there watching the whole time. And he said, no, it's okay. I know that I'll be a dad one day, you know? And so I want to see how a dad who's following Jesus handles these things. Thank God I didn't blow it, <laughs> right? Like, could have very easily been a story that I did not want to share. Um, but, uh, but that's not what happened. Um, praise God that he had a bigger purpose there than I did. Um, but the lesson for me there in my heart is that I should be imitators of Christ or imitating Christ by saying like, hey, you know, student, let me show you how to do this. I do this because Christ did this for me. I do this because Christ did this, right? Because Jesus did this, so I, I should imitate. But so discipleship is happening whether we want it to or not, right? And so if we imitate Christ and those who imitate us, we'll be in good shape. So for, for a practical level, again, for us going forward, if we're to imitate Christ, I mean, don't just tell someone. If you're discipling someone, right? You, you've made a relationship with someone. We're going to get to that next. Made a relationship with someone here, uh, maybe, maybe an older man uh, with a younger guy or an older woman with a, with a younger woman or maybe even someone who's, uh, uh, you know, around the same age, but uh, one person has been following Christ for, for a few years and really matured in her faith and the other woman has, you know, just come to Christ, something like that. Again, we'll talk about that more later. But, um, if you're discipling someone, don't just tell them, right, how to love your wife as Christ loved the church. Show them. Let them see you love your wife as Christ loves the church. Don't just tell them how to raise their children, right, in the way that they should go so they don't depart from it. Show them how you raise your children. Don't just tell them how to glorify God in your work or whatever you do. Show them. That's how you imitate Christ. And as they imitate you, again, to be imitating Christ. So meditate on the Word of God. And when we meditate, church, don't miss this, when we meditate on God, we learn how to imitate the nature and the character of Christ. So the two go hand in hand. So again, the early church is really a great model for us here um, in doing this. And so number three, how are we doing? Has it been five minutes yet? Okay. Number three, initiate relationships. So we've got meditate on the Word of God, imitate Christ, initiate relationships. I try to make them rhyme for you. I felt like that was kind of preachery. So, <clears throat> so initiate relationships. All right, we'll look back one more time. Acts two, starting in verse forty-two. All right, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship. There it is to the breaking of bread and a prayer. A sense of awe came over everyone, and the apostles performed many wonders and signs. All the believers were together, there we go, had everything in common. We'll come back to that. Selling their possessions and goods, they shared with anyone who was in need. With one accord, they continued to meet, like there's so many circles right here, daily in the temple courts, and to break bread from house to house, sharing their meals with glad and sincerity of heart, praising God, enjoying the favor of all people, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. I can't, that's seven or eight examples in just a few verses of initiating relationships, of spending time together, 
devoting themselves to the fellowship, it says. What a model that is for us today. I know that you may be thinking, kind of like I was when I first read this, like, of course they initiated relationships. 3,000 people, most of whom were from other countries, uh, you know, ended up in Jerusalem, coming to faith in Christ, and then they left their home, left their jobs, right? They had to, they, they're camping out in Jerusalem now for a while at least. And so, like, they had to survive, so they made relationships with each other. And maybe some of that's true. I think that by way of all the ways that, that God made sure to put in here that they were together, there's more to it than that. But even still, I would submit this morning that we need each other in the church just as much in 2023 as they did in AD 33. Just as much. I know that our, our culture, our society, as we grow up, especially and maybe in our country, in our part of the country, is pull yourself up by your bootstraps, right? It's, it's, I mean, you're independent. It's the American dream to do your best to get your best, right? And you don't need anyone else, right? Our fences have gotten taller. Our portions have gotten smaller, right? We've gotten more individualistic. But church, if you are in Christ, your individualistic self has died. Your independent self has died. You are now part of the body of Christ. What happens to a body part, right? A, 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 an appendage, if you cut it off, a limb from the rest of the body, does it grow strong and prosper? No. It's the opposite. It withers away because it's disconnected from its life source, disconnected from the rest of the body. And what happens to the other body parts, right? If I were to, to lose my leg, my other leg suffers too, right? My arms suffer too. They're having to do tasks that they weren't created for. We're made to be a body, not independent from each other. We need each other. And that's what discipleship is. It's coming together. Paul instructed Timothy and Titus that the older men should, should go to the younger men and teach them in the way of Christ. The younger, older women and the young women are the same. And again, I'll submit that it doesn't have to be older and younger. If someone, if you've you know, been walking faithfully with Christ for years, and you know, have a friend around your age who just came to faith in Christ, man, what a great, you already had the friendship. What a great platform to jump into discipleship and show them, hey, this is what Jesus says about this, right? We have to be together. We have to initiate relationships. We often say that, well, this, this ties back into uh, the fact that we've died, that our, our, our individualistic selves have died. We often say that Jesus died so that I could live. And the logical conclusion of that is true. It's in songs and we sing it and it's true. But first, don't miss this church, Jesus died so that you could die. And then he lived so that you could live. I'm saying it again, don't miss that. Jesus died so that you could die. And then he lived so that in him you could live. Paul says it this way in Philippians 3, that everything I've accomplished, everything I have in this world, nothing. It's rubbish. The word there is dung in comparison with everything I have in Christ, who Christ is. Now I'm going to come back to that in a second. We have the privilege, new life, of having a wide array of, of people and ages um, at our church. Prom timers, we're prom timers, where are y'all at? Just two of you raised your hand, cool. No, I got you, yeah, thank you, yeah. It's actually a really big group. If you ever come here on, on I think it's Thursday night sometimes, y'all do your, uh, you have a meal, and, and uh, if you ever, uh, I happened in on that a couple times and like walk, had to walk through there, and I was like, man, this is a big group of people. Um, prom timers, I love you guys. I know that Scott is super thankful for you. I know this church is very thankful for you. I would say, this is a bold statement. I would say that group as a whole, no group as a whole, has blessed this church as much as the prime timers. Solid group. Man, they get it. Can I just say a word of encouragement just as somebody who leads worship here? And uh, I don't know if I was going to say this or not, but I got to say it just while I have the opportunity. Um, I've been a part of other churches, led worship um, for congregations that had different ages. You know, not one time, we sing, we could do a better job of singing hymns here, right? We could do a better job of that. We could. Uh, we sing mostly contemporary music. We try to work in some hymns here or there. Not one time 
has any of our older generation come to myself, Franklin, and said, hey, really don't enjoy the music. You really could use some more older stuff, right? And that, I, I've, if you ever heard of worship wars, like I've been in those. I've been in a church before, a couple churches where, you know, the, the music was the thing, right? And this does, don't, don't not come to us with suggestions. Don't let this be like, you can come anytime with suggestions. But what I want to say is they get it, church. This isn't about music. Don't miss the point. They get it. They lay their preferences aside because they get that church is not about music. Church is about worshiping Jesus with the people that he's redeemed and brought to himself. There's been no war here. I'm thankful for that. I know Franklin's thankful for that. And again, suggestions are fine. That's it. Don't. Now they're like, well, no, I can't say anything ever. No. Um, suggestions. But seriously, they get it. I'm going to press in here for a second, even on our prime timers. There are dozens of students, young families, young single adults, middle-aged families in this room. And a part of this church, they're serving out these classrooms all around that need you. They need you. They've come to faith in Christ and they have questions. And on the reverse side of that, young adults, college students, young families, do you realize the wealth of wisdom sitting in these seats here? Some 30, 40, 50 years of walking faithfully with Christ. You need that. So here's the deal. We have to come across the aisle in more ways than talking about the weather and sports. In more ways than shaking hands and just seeing, seeing how you're doing this morning. We need to walk with each other. And the questions, all the questions they have, you don't think that, oh, I have to be a biblical scholar in order to disciple someone. You don't. Don't. Don't let that lie stop you from making a relationship. Just your knowledge of walking with Jesus through life, the things he's taught you through his word, that's enough. And if you don't know the answer, not all the college students' questions, not all the younger you know, students' questions are, like, how was there light before the sun in Genesis? Right? Or what's predestination and what's free will? They have asked those. Trust me. That's not, most of their questions are, what does it look like to honor my mother and father? What does it look like to serve Jesus faithfully at school and as I grow a family? Right? We need each other. We have to come across the aisle and connect. And we really overcomplicate this. I know that I do. I know that I've thought several times before, before that, okay, I'm going to disciple. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to get like a few guys together. This is me thinking, right? And we're going to meet at 6 a.m., right? Once a week. And man, we're just going to grow in Jesus together. Sure. Like, maybe that'll work, right? Maybe it'll, you know, at least at first be effective. Is it sustainable? Well, you just heard my wife's eyes roll in the back. Not sustainable for Blake to be at 6 a.m. every morning, or once a week even, uh, leading others uh, and, and discipling others. So don't overcomplicate it. Don't add another meeting or another thing to fill your schedule. If you're discipling someone, just invite them along things that you're already doing. Add people to your life, it's been said, right? Not meetings. Add people to your life. So, you, you know, you have a project around the house? Invite someone. If you're discipling someone and, you know, you just have a Friday, Saturday night, it's free? Invite them over and have dinner with your family. Going to a game? Invite them over. Maybe their accountability will keep you in check at the game. With me, for sure. Invite people into your life. That's how you disciple them. Jesus didn't say, okay, hey, Peter, James, John, look, we're going uh, to meet at this place uh, you know, once a week. Like, if that were to happen, we wouldn't be where we are today. But that's not what happened, right? Jesus called them to live with him and live for him. Invite people into your life. So, where do we stand?
We've looked at the Great Commission to go and make disciples. That's an imperative, right? That's a a command to go and make disciples, to teach them all that he's commanded. And then we see the early church doing that. We see the disciples doing that in the early church. So where do we stand today, new life? Here's the harsh part. Here's the hard part. It was the hard part for me studying all week. Don't think this hasn't hit me first all week. It has. If we disobey the Great Commission, we are in sin. It's a command from Jesus. It's not a suggestion. It's an imperative command. If we disobey it, we are in sin. We need to repent. Change our hearts. Let God change our heart. And then do it. I want to tell an illustration here. Maybe this will put it into perspective. Let's say that you realize, you go home one day, right? You get off from work, you go home one day, and y'all try to stay with me know that we're way over five minutes, I promise. But y'all, just listen to this, this last part here. Let's say that you go home one day, and you look around and realize that your house is a mess, right? Dishes are piled high in the sink. You know, there's just, the rooms are trash. Trash cans are mile high. The, the clothes are clean, but they're in baskets all around the house. Anybody? Just me? Yeah, me too. House is a mess. You're like, man, we've got to do something about this, right? So you call your family together. You say, hey, family, whoever you live with, kids, grandkids, sisters, cousins, whatever, we're going to meet once a week in the living room here, and we're going to have a discussion about how to tackle this mess every week. Okay? Maybe some of you have done this. I don't know. There, okay, cool. So you meet. You, get, you have your first meeting. You just give this impassioned speech about the dishes, right? I mean, you're just going in on the dishes, right? About how we're going to tackle this, what we're going to do, what the purpose of dish soap is, the whole thing, right? And people are just like clapping. Your family's like, yes, this is okay. I've never heard it like this before, okay? I'm moved by the dish soap. Power wash, no kidding. And then you break. You're like, all right, cool. Great meeting. And then Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday passes. And the dishes are dirtier than ever. Dishes are are piled high. They're spilling out of the sink. It smells terrible. There's little gnats flying around. Some of y'all know. So you're like, okay, cool. All right. I did something wrong, clearly. So we're going to meet again, right? Week number two. Pull everyone together. You're like, all right, the dishes we're going to work on, but maybe we should just focus like on the clothes first, okay? Just, just the clothes. They're already clean, so we'll just, we're going to fold the clothes, hang the clothes, whatever. Get the clothes up. Again, you go in on this like impassioned speech, right? People are high-fiving, right? One of your kids sheds a tear, right? Just moved, right? On the way out of the, of the meeting, like one of your family members picks up a sock. And you're like, this is it. They got it. I got through to them. You guys know what's next. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Friday, you look around. There's more clothes than ever. Actually, the clothes aren't even clean anymore. It's just dirty clothes everywhere. The house is dirtier than it ever was when the family meetings first started. New life. The fear is that that is us today. We can laugh about it and, and joke about it. That was my intent, right? To, 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 let's just see how ridiculous it sounds. Who, that would never happen, hopefully, right? Just, I mean, how much would you say that your, your family honored, loved, and respected you if that's the way they responded to your commands? Would you really feel that they loved you? Would you really feel that they were moved? Their actions don't say so. But church, how many times, and I'm speaking from experience, I'm not, I'm not preaching this at you, I, I'm sitting here too. 
How many times, church, have we came to this family meeting? Have we come here together, been stirred up by what was said from God's word, even had an emotional response, and then walked out of those doors and forgotten it by lunchtime? Been convicted on some level from what the word of God said, because it will do that, right? And then suppressed it, forgot about it, didn't make it priority because it never was in the first place. And then we come back here the next week to do it all over again. It's a harsh reality. But it's what I, that's what I've done. Let it not be so. Here's the good news, because there is good news. This is what the illustration really couldn't represent, because it wasn't a perfect illustration. But the work is already being done. That's what the, the story couldn't portray to you. The work is already being done, church, and the tools are already there. Let's look at Philippians 1, 6. Paul tells the church of Philippi, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. That's the good news. Is that when you put your faith and trust in Jesus, he didn't throw some cheese puffs at you and walk out the door. Right? He sent his spirit to indwell you, church. To make you more like himself every day. Until he to completion and he comes back. So you've got these terms. You've got sanctified. I'm sorry, you've got justified, sanctified, and glorified. At the moment of salvation, you're justified. You're made right before God, right? The blood of Jesus. And then through life, you're sanctified. That's what we're talking about here. And eventually, you're glorified. You're made perfect with Jesus, right? Sanctification. The tools are already there. The work is already being done. So imagine back in our story, right, there's already a cleaning crew, right? This is like prepared, ready to go. Like, let's go, let's do this. You don't need the family to, like, to, to do everything. Like, we got you, we're going to help, right? That's, that's what they couldn't portray there, is that God is already doing the work in you, so let's join in. Come alongside someone and join in on what God is already doing in their lives. In the same way, he'll prepare you to do that with him. So as the band comes back up, to review, we've got to make disciples outside of the church and not forsake discipling each other inside the church. The context, church, for discipleship is right here and not just on this campus, in this family. If you've been walking faithfully with Christ, you've been walking and learning and, and growing because the Holy Spirit's within you, propelling you forward to be more like Him, then initiate a relationship with someone who you know has just come to faith, immature in their faith. If you've just come to Christ, or you've been in Christ, but you, you really haven't grown very much, you just haven't had someone come alongside you, you, you haven't been in the Word, you just you don't know a whole lot about what, about what you believe, then have the humility, please, to say, I need help. It doesn't matter how old you are. If you're 85 in this room this morning and you don't know a lot about this Word, you don't know a lot about how to live for Jesus, ask for help. I promise you, you're the only one that benefits or the one that benefits the most, at least. So we have to come together. We have to meditate. If you want to make disciples and disciple someone in the church, meditate on the Word of God. Be surrounded by it. Be in it. Be devoted to it. Imitate Christ. See what He's done in His Word, what He did in the disciples. Imitate that. Imitate others as they imitate Christ. 
and initiate relationships. As the band plays, I'm going to have two boxes down here. And I want to challenge you this morning. One box uh, on the, this side here on, the, uh, on your left, my right, is going to be for those who would uh, like to be discipled. Got some paper and pens up here. And if you say, hey, like, I know I need to know more about what I believe. I know I need to know more about how the gospel shapes and molds my life, how it affects me, because I know that I trust in Jesus, but I don't really know what that means for everyday living. If that's you this morning, I want you to come write your name in this box. Now again, disclaimer, you don't need the church staff or the church leadership or, or whatever. You don't need Scott to pair you together. You can do that on your own. But the church is willing to step in and say, hey, we know that so-and-so over here has, you know, now this, this lady over here has, has lived through this and experienced this, and Jesus brought her through this. I think she'd be perfect to make a relationship with you and to help you through this, what you're going through right now. The church is, is, is willing and ready to, to step in and help with that. So the box on your left is going to be for if you say, hey, I, I need help. I need to be discipled. And like, don't, don't let that be a deterrent that like you have to, you know, to say, I need help. I mean, I, I need it. I need someone to disciple. Scott needs someone discipling him. He's told us, he has, like, we need each other. Putting, a, putting your name in that box doesn't mean that you're a new believer. It doesn't mean that you, you, you know, you have so many questions. It means I need to imitate someone as I imitate Christ. I need, I need more. I'm just going through the motions. And the box on your right, my left here, basket. You can have paper and you can fill out. If you know that, hey, I, I've walked through these things with Christ. He's shown me these things and I want to disciple someone. I want to invite them into my life. really big commitment, but it's one that we're commanded to make. It's not an option. If that's you, that basket, and we would love to pray with you, get you with somebody that we know you could just come alongside and both of you be blessed by it. And then, there's a third option. Put your name in both baskets. Right? Say, hey, I know that I, I, know that I have things to pour into someone. I know what Jesus has taught me and what his word says. I know that I can give my life to someone or to several people. But I also need someone pouring into me. I, that's the person that I, I would respect the most, right? That's the person that knows, like, hey, I know I've come so far and I know these things, but like, I, I need someone else too. That's the model. Don't miss it. That's the model. It's not that you're one or the other. It's that you should always be both. Now, if you're just starting out, you just come to, to faith in Christ, give it a little while. Right? You need someone discipling you. Give it a little while. But if you've been walking with Jesus for at least a little while, you've learned some things, the Holy Spirit has, has made you more like him, and you've grown in knowledge and, and wisdom, then be both. Disciple someone and be discipled. Thank you for letting me share this time with you, share this word with you. I'm going to pray, and I'm going to Put these baskets down here, and I'm going to stand here. And if you, if you want to come pray, if you want to, um, I, got, I got a little bit of, like, crud going on. I've tested negative for all the things. But uh, I don't want to get too close to you, but I still love to pray with you um, in some way. So if you, want to, if you want to come pray, you want to pray and put your name in a box, whatever, just, just respond to God's word. Don't let this be another family meeting that we walk away from unchanged. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. God, you've, you've wrecked my heart this week with the command that I've forsaken so often. And you've prepared our hearts this morning for this word. And God, I just pray that it's not a typical morning for us. It's not a typical morning where we can be stirred moved emotionally and walk out of here effectively unchanged. God, grab a hold of our hearts and don't let go. Move us to move. 
Move us to obey your command. Because left alone, we won't do it. God, give us humility to know that we need someone pouring into us and give us the courage to pour into someone else. Thank you for this time together. Thank you for these people. Jesus, we don't deserve you. We are so in awe of you. We can't wait to meet back together again. In your name we pray, amen.